Welcome, lovely people, to The Reset Show number 13. Today's topic is personalization at work. And we have with us as a special guest, uh, Rob Baker. Rob is uh, an expert in this field. We're delighted to have him here. A few facts about Rob to put you in the picture, if you don't already know about him and his work. Um, Generally speaking, the strapline for Rob is he's a specialist in bringing positive psychology to work which of course uh, is an obvious link to him as a guest on The Reset Show, as we are all big fans of positive psychology ourselves. Uh, Rob is the founder, and I like his title, I like your title, Rob, we can come to this in a moment, Chief Positive Deviant of Tailored Thinking, and Tailored Thinking are a leading evidence-based positive psychology, well-being, and HR consultancy. Now, I should also say, amongst all of the things I could say about Rob, As Rob is a big advocate of bringing your best self and your whole self to work and does a lot of work with organizations, encouraging them to make that part of their operational model, it would be remiss of me not to talk about some of uh, the personal qualities of Rob, not just work Rob, but personal Rob. Um, Don't be afraid, Rob. It's going to say direction. (laughs) It's it's a family show. Um, Rob is an avid runner which is, uh, has particularly impressed uh, Belinda, who is also an avid runner. But uh, unlike Belinda, forgive me if I'm wrong, B, Rob has already competed on the international stage representing Great Britain <laughs> in mountain running and orienteering. Um, these days, uh, Rob's hung up his competitive training shoes and he cycles and runs purely for fun like that's fun for some people (laughs) apparently and uh enjoys his outdoor misadventures with his family in durham rob we are delighted to have you here we'll be talking to you in a moment before we get there it just remains for me to say welcome one and all thank you for joining myself justin from everyday resilience and belinda from fathom xp uh emma from people lab and our producer katie from people lab as well and our special invited studio audience you know who you are thank you for joining us uh i would like to hand over to belinda to tell you a little bit about the reset show and why we're here over to you b so the reset show we're now i think halfway through our second series um and we're loving it and we're loving the feedback that we get. So we are obviously a live recorded show, plus the podcast and a YouTube channel. We really saw a moment in time, I think, to have a different sort of conversation to reflect, if you like. We saw it as an opportunity to, to rethink and hopefully to rebuild and potentially to, to build a better normal in the world of work. So what we did is we got together some um, really interesting friends, people in our network who have a different lens, a different way of looking at the opportunities to build back, back better. Um, so Rob, that's that's why we've got you here today. That's the Reset Show. You can find us on all the good um, podcast channels, et cetera, et cetera. And we've got loads more shows lined up that we're really excited about as well. Oh, brilliant. I'm so excited to be here. And I think just the format, the, the conversations you have, the the... the um, the people you, you involve is, is something we all need. So I'm delighted to be part of here today. Uh, thanks very much. Fantastic. Thank you. Emma, you've got some questions, Rob. I have. I have. Um, Rob, delighted to have you on the show. Um, I'm a big fan of your work, a fellow positive psychologist, a fellow Kogan Page author, and, and you know, fantastic to, to get you on. Is there anything, though, that we haven't said already that we should know about you? 
No, I think I think you've given a really good summary, well, embarrassingly um, good summary, Justin. So thank you for that. The one thing I probably say that I think um, probably applies to everyone here is that I've also worked within kind of HR substantive roles. So although I'm now the founder of the consultancy and we're working in that space, the majority of my career has been in in kind of working within organisations. And we'll probably touch on some of this, but I'm now aware of how my kind of thinking has changed since since then in terms of some of the things that I've done or been involved in and, and thinking actually with hindsight with speaking to to others about the kind of experiences I've got I would have maybe done those things kind of very differently so that's the that's the kind of maybe the thing that I'd I'd say as well just in terms of my kind of what my informing my thinking and the ideas that I'll share with you today. Brilliant that sounds really interesting let's let's hold that thought and come back to that later. So I want to start with talking about personalization at work. You've literally written the book on this, which is great. We've got you on because you are the expert, right? And we talk a lot about personalization at work uh, on the research show and in our work anyway. And um, I first kind of came across this idea, like when I was writing my engagement book, you know, many years ago. And um, I'm in no way an expert as you are, but I'd like to start by saying, how do you explain to people what you mean by personalization at work? Sure. So I probably start by saying when I first came across this concept in terms of the lecture theatre. So it was, it was um, we're, and it was positive psychology and someone was explaining this concept of job crafting and around personalization. And the and we'll go on to the evidence of, through, through the discussion, but there's lots of really good evidence that shows that when people personalize their work, it, they um, personalize their their experiences and they had kind of growth, they had performance, they were more satisfied in terms of their growth. So this kind of made complete, made complete sense to me and then all of a sudden I was realizing hang on we just don't we just don't do this within workplaces it doesn't feel like it so your question was what does it what do I mean by personalization at work is actually encouraging people inviting people and creating the space for people to think about actually how they show up at work who they are as individuals and making small changes to their experiences at work so that could be their tasks their interactions how they think about work that makes it a better fit to um to people who um in the jobs that they do so it's around actually finding in creating the space for people to actually personalize their experience and it's not around kind of radically redesigning kind of um jobs kind of ripping up job descriptions setting fire to kind of roles that does and people kind of sometimes worry about that when we talk about personalization but it's mm. um what we're actually talking about is small iterative and agile kind of changes to the to, to people's roles and how they interact with it with each other um and so that's kind of what I mean by kind of personalization. It's around bringing some of yourself to the workplace. And if we do that well, it means that we're not having to wear a mask. We're not having to leave some of us at home. And um, when we switch on our computer or go through an office door, if we can remember what that feels like. And um, it's kind of actually we can we feel with confidence we can feel that we can we can actually fully engage as the individuals that we are. Brilliant. Thanks, Rob. That, that's really interesting. Um, to sort of delve into this, this whole field of job crafting, like you, I first came across it as well when I studied positive psychology and I was like, that sounds amazing. Um, and like I say, I, I'm in no way as expert as you are. So can you talk to us a bit more about job crafting? What, what is it and what, what do we mean by job crafting? Yeah, sure. So the way that I would explain job crafting, and I've talked a little bit about making small changes to how you do your job, how you act, interact and think about your job. But the way that I often describe it when I'm speaking to groups is around think about like a semi-tailored suit. So if you go into a um, a, um, a shop and um, again do you remember what those are if you go into a shop and you can put on a you can put on a suit or a dress and it's kind of the, the, the basic design and the fabric is there the patterns are there but you can make small adjustments to it maybe put change the buttons or make the kind of dimensions slightly better better fit for you so it's kind of more comfortable kind of better 
and it looks better as well. And when it comes to job crafting, that's exactly what you're doing with your job. So you've got the structure of the job. You're not fundamentally changing that job, but what you are doing is finding and seizing those opportunities to, to tailoring it to, to make it a slightly better fit. And when you look at the, the evidence into to job crafting, how people do it, they tend to do it in very small ways. So it's not a case of radically kind of changing that job. Although some people have crafted their job, kind of customized it in a way that actually they've kind of a year, two years down the line, it looks very different from, from the job that they started with. For most people, it's just on a day-to-day -day basis, finding ways to explore and experiment to, to do their jobs very differently. Um, and it was, would it be useful for me just to say a little bit where it came from in terms of the, in terms of- Yeah, the, that'd be great, yeah. So the, the, the first kind of study that published this was by Amy Zbigniewski and Jane Dutton in 2001. And they were, um, and I've had the privilege of being, um, uh, kind of speaking to both these people at length from, for, the, for the book and the preparation. And they, they write really well. So if anyone's interested in academic stuff, I'd definitely track down kind of some of their studies. And Amy Winnesky and Jane Duddy were looking at job satisfaction and engagement within the workplace. And they're doing a study with um, University Hospital. And they were, they were um, speaking to different um, kind of groups of professional functions within that hospital group and just exploring what good engagement looked like, what, where did poor engagement look like. And they became interested when they looked at the data that there was some individuals doing on the face of it exactly the same jobs, but there were very different levels of scores in terms of actually people's engagement and satisfaction. In fact, they're kind of almost kind of disparate. So some people were very disengaged and some were kind of very highly engaged, but yet ostensibly doing the same job. And what they wanted to do was kind of investigate this, this, this further. And one of the groups kind of famously, I think, if you look into this research, and because Amy often talks about it, was, was around hospital cleaners. And they invest, they kind of inter interviewed these hospital cleaners and said, can you kind of describe your job to me? And some people describe their jobs as very low status, very menial, very kind of just cleaning things, low paid, kind of um, low opportunities for interaction. Um, no guessing where they sat on that kind of that, that engagement continuum. And, and yet other people were saying they were really highly engaged within, with, with, with who, are the, who are highly engaged with their work, described their jobs as actually supporting the patients to get better, to um, provide a, a friendly face to people working in the, the family members in the hospital and staff members in the hospitals. And so they, they, kind of, they found that people described their jobs very differently. They thought about it differently. But they also then found when they kind of, they scratched this a bit further through the interviews, that these individuals who were, and seeing their job as something more than just a, um, a kind of a transactional activity, they actually found opportunities to kind of personalize that, those, their jobs ever so slightly to, to make it a better reflection of what they, how they saw their job. So some cleaners said, actually, every day I'm looking for opportunities to um, smile at a patient who seems to be in a bed who seems to be a bit kind of unhappy. So I'll do my best to do that. Or I might look out for family members who has got lost in the maze of corridors in the hospital, which I'm sure most of us would have seen. And, um, and one, again, one of the things that stuck in my mind is that one of the cleaners would move pictures around as they were cleaning them just to try and make a more stimulating environment for people. And all these kind of behaviors were small things. So again, they didn't change the fabric of the job. It took a very small time component, but yet it fundamentally kind of, kind of reflected how that person saw their job and in the same way fed into how those individuals kind of benefited from their job um, as well. And so since then, that was in 2001, and then since then, there have been kind of an, an ex, in academic terms, an explosion of these kind of papers. Um, there's been 100, about 140, 150 kind of peer review papers that have been written on this kind of subject, kind of showing it. But that's kind of where that's where job crafting came from. And that's kind of hooked, hooked me in when I started hearing about those, those stories. And I was just curious about actually, could you bring this? Could you make this happen? And at the time, we um, 
at the time there wasn't much kind of studies of actually kind of bringing this to life within organizations and that's kind of basically what I was I kind of fell into a rabbit hole of doing that and I haven't stopped since really I suppose ever so that's kind of what I've been doing. I love that I think it's really interesting to hear where this came from and um, we'll come back to this in a sec um, this kind of idea of individual responsibility and accountability so I think what the early study showed us was there's kind of some people that had the right mindset to just naturally craft their jobs and get if I'm going to do this job I want to get the most out of it and other people don't but let's just hold that thought for a minute because what I'd like to do is just take the second point about how you've helped organizations to intentionally enable people to craft their jobs and what does that look like because there's quite a lot in there I think in terms of the tools and techniques but I think first of all the buy-in because like you say whenever I talk to organizations about job crafting they kind of react quite badly usually they're like but if you know as you said this idea they'll rip up the job the job description they'll do what they want to do and that will be anarchy mm. so let's just start with how do you help organizations to to get good at this what's the starting point how do you help them and how do you get that buy-in well, that's a really interesting question. There's lots of different ways. And I would like to say I've got a perfect answer for everyone here. And I, um, I'll give you my best answer today. And people can check in with me in a week's time to see if, it's, to see if that's changed, because it probably has. But what I tend to, to kind of actually scope out, as you do, Emma, is in terms of actually understand what people's concerns are, to understand what the, what the kind of, to get those out and then address those concerns. But fundamentally, most organizations will, if you speak to them, will actually say that the performance is at the heart of them. They care about performance, no matter what sector they're in. It's they're, they're, if, you, if they exist, it's big to, to kind of to have an output. And my kind of my challenge to people is saying, if you're really deeply interested in, in performance, then actually there is there is um, kind of an avalanche of, of kind of research and practical um, examples that shows that when people personalize their experiences, they tend to perform well. And that might be in the workplace, but that's kind of in the sport, sporting arena. And um, it can be in terms of education arena. Everywhere you look at it, actually, the more personalized experience you can create, the better people perform. And people kind of get that. So that's the kind of one point to kind of, to kind of knock down one, one kind of concern, as it were, saying, actually, if you're really interested in performance, you should be interested in personalization. The second is actually to, um, to get people to actually explain when people jog craft, they tend to do it in small and responsive ways. So in the same way that people were very concerned, maybe in terms of COVID of saying, we should, you know, oh my good, we could never work from home. We would, we couldn't monitor people. We don't know what they're going to do. Yet we know that for the for the vast, vast, vast majority of us, it's just it's just worked. So the, the, if you trust people, people kind of will will act responsibly. And the evidence and the research shows that people tend to craft in in small ways. So it just doesn't happen anyway to kind of that, that people do rip up those those kind of job descriptions. Um, and the third thing that I do with 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 organisations um, is with a group is that actually I would almost. I think I've done this pretty much with every project I've done. I will always say we need to test this before we kind of go out. We should actually test this. And I get people to get three different groups. So I get one, which are maybe the endorsers that tend to maybe be in the function, people function who you think you're going to get it. You identify skeptics who tend to be and forgive anyone who's listening to this from these functions of finance or IT. They seem to be the skeptics. And so we kind of do something with those groups and then we'll do a neutral group. So one, we just don't know what the who's going to get this. So a very kind of smaller, smaller um going to test and the the advantage of doing this is that you could have a kind of get them to kind of buy into it's not taking a big bang approach which i think is often we do with organizations we think we have to do it for everyone you test it out secondly you get um some kind of stories and evidence about them them, them, them using it and if you can get kind of case studies and testimonials from these kind of skeptics of saying actually this is something that's really 
pretty positive, then that gives you more powerful data to feed back to the organization saying, actually, this is how they're do it, using it. This is what they're saying about it. And currently when I'm doing these tests, I'm tracking at 90, I think it's 97% last time I looked at the things of people would who've gone through the, the kind of learning experience would recommend job crafting across that organization to colleagues. And that's a really powerful statistic when you're looking internally to, to do that. And also you can look at performance data as well in terms of actually what are the outputs of these teams and individuals relative to others. So I think go, go small, present evidence and understand concerns. There are three things I would, I, would, um, I, would, I would kind of advocate to people who wanted to kind of encourage people to explore this. Brilliant. Love that. It's really practical and helpful. So just, just thinking about um, maybe a case study you can share with us of some client work you've done in terms of what you actually do to kind of, you know, unleash the, the power, the potential of job crafting, you know, because it sounds like quite, it sounds like a great idea. I think we're all bought in. It's quite conceptual. So how do you actually take that kind of idea and make it really practical? What do I have to do to help an organization get into this? Well, it's not difficult, actually. It's not kind of rocket science. The, the number one thing you need to do, though, is in terms of um, any, cha any change that you're looking to with the organization takes energy. So in terms of you need to have the space for um, to, to have people have the right spot to be able to experiment with doing something different. You have to have that that energy to do it because if not it's just it's saying well it's another thing to do it's something that you're given to people rather than necessary invitation so the ch key challenge is around how do you create that space that environment for people to have the air and energy and the curiosity to, to job craft and you can do it in lots of different ways so three ways that i tend to do with organizations and it will be dependent on the context the the needs of that of the group where they are location so all of this will kind of be impact on it so one would be through um through labs or workshops um and this would be in terms of actually getting people to explore and understand what job crafting is. So this is you know, very much a kind of um, an educational piece, but an experiential and educational piece where you get people to kind of explore what job crafting is. Most people, when you, when you understand what it is, actually would have realized either they've done it themselves and they've seen some benefits from it or they've witnessed other people doing it. And so it's, again, but they just don't, you don't realize you're doing it, if that, if that makes sense. So you mm. don't kind of tap into it or lean into it. So when you kind of understand this, people say, oh yeah, I did do this and I felt good for it. And so, so getting people to share stories of when they've done it before. And then um, explaining why they should do it and how they could make, they might want to do it in their environment. So exploring that. And then it's just a case of setting them off on a, on a small experiment I do in terms of saying, how are you going to craft your job? And I've got a very kind of clear kind of framework for doing that where I, I get people to be as, as, um, as targeted and as small as they possibly can to trying to make one tiny change. And I learned this from from when I started with job crafting, people get excited, I get excited. They're like, right, we're gonna change the world. We're gonna do this. And what happens is as soon as you kind of turn off your computer or you walk out of the workshop, you just, the reality of what you're trying to do hits you and you don't, you don't achieve what you want to do. Yet if you get people to say, I'm gonna make a change that's gonna take five minutes to an hour a week, people actually, can seize that they, they approach it playfully and they approach it kind of an accessible way and they can actually kind of it makes quite a big difference it's even these small changes can make a big difference and i tend to come back if i'm running a lab in this way or a, a workshop i would um come back in a month's time and actually review with people how have you got on what are the barriers what kind of haven't you done and again in terms of tracking i tend to find currently about 78 percent of people that would actually would would have done job crafting after the workshop so in terms of the, the approach and if you look at other training data you generally hit about 25 to 35 percent of people actually applying this mm -hmm. stuff but it makes sense and i like to think it's down to my kind of um, skill as a as a trainer or, or the people i work with that's their ability to 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 join people but fundamentally it's an invitation to make your job better and most people if you say 
I'm inviting you to make your job better. We'll, we'll kind of we'll bite your hand off to, to do that. So it's exploring what got in the way and then amplifying it. So it's in terms of saying doing more of this, sharing those stories and getting other people to to, to do this stuff um, and differently. So that's one way. So it comes to workshops and I can share. I think mm. we might talk about stories. I can share loads of mm. stuff with you. Right. Um, then the other way would be kind of through digital through digital mechanisms. So one of the things that I've we've developed during COVID is actually to get people to do some learning or these experiences digitally where you can do it in one player mode or multiplayer mode. So effectively you can log on to the to, to the to some resources to learn about job crafting, but you can then either kind of explore it and set your own goal kind of in one player mode, or you can join as a group and through facilitated discussion, we will go through um, a learning journey to, together where you're answering the active activities and um, inputting information to this to the to the e-learning kind of tool to actually set these kind of job crafting goals so it's kind of like the workshop but doing it with a much more interesting digital interface and the third way um, is around teams so what I tend to do is get teams together as a group and actually start having a conversation about what are the things that you you maybe you love and loathe in your in your job and getting people to maybe think about tasks they could swap within the team so or, or maybe dial up and dial down so um could be really really kind of recent example where someone was saying they hated doing meeting notes so one of the things that they could have would do as a group is they take it in turn to do meetings this is a marketing team they take it in turn to write some write notes up for the meetings and um, some of them, some people got twitchy, kind of trigger figures. If they didn't, someone didn't write down an action point for a meeting, they feel like they, they started to feel a bit sick about it. Whereas other people just didn't care. You know, they, don't, mm. they just like, well, they just, well, they cared, but they just didn't want to follow it up. And what they, they had this conversation, we're like, well, why are we doing this where everyone takes it in turns when some people are just going to dread it and they're bad at it because they dreaded it. Whereas <laughs> other people just naturally very good at it and they will just hound you to make sure you've done what you, you're supposed to do. And they said, well, okay, well, let's swap. And then that person, instead of doing the meeting notes, um, was actually arranged some team get-togethers for like a, a, bit, a team quiz or something they did, which they're much more interested in. That's a very simple example, but I think there's loads of stuff in plain sight that we, for fairness and equity, we kind of give to everyone. And this comes yeah. back to that personalization thing. We, and HR do this all the time. We want to be fair and therefore we, we, we do the same to everything. Rather than treating everyone equitably by saying we want to treat you as an individual, what we do instead is saying we want to treat everyone exactly the same. And as a consequence of that, the 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 the, um, the value of that is is not evenly distributed. Mm, that's a great example. I love that kind of really simple example of strengths at work. And obviously, we're all over strengths with positive psychologists, but it yeah. just seems so obvious, doesn't it? It's like let people place their strengths and you'll get the best out of them. Because at the end of the day, I'm never going to be any good at detail and spreadsheets. That's just why I've got Katie. <laughs> She's really good at detail and spreadsheets. So um, one more question before I open up to the floor. I mentioned before about the individual side of this and the, mm -hmm. the early studies kind of show that some people have kind of a natural aptitude or mindset towards job crafting. And I definitely recognize a lot of that in myself, actually. I've just, when I was in-house, I kind of just made the job my own really and just sort of decided I'd start doing things that I quite enjoyed. And I, you know, kind of, I just always ask for forgiveness, not permission. Um, something I'm really interested in is this idea of self-engagement. And it's not to say that obviously companies have a, a, you know, a responsibility for a whole load of reasons to make sure they help their people to thrive and be their best. But also I think an area we've kind of forgotten about or not even really thought about in the world of engagement and experience is personal accountability and I've read some really interesting research from a company called Leadership IQ where they talked about self-engagement and some attributes which are shown to be associated with engagement for example optimism resilience 
locus of control. None of these things will be surprised to you. And I think it's a really interesting area to to kind of dig into a bit more around, you know, the great thing about those those sorts of um, you know areas as well is that you know we, we can get better at them. You know, then we're not born with them; and they're fixed. We can we can become more optimistic. We can become more resilient. I was wondering if, from a job crafting point of view, you found there there are certain kind of mindsets uh, that are helpful to kind of grab this opportunity and make the most of it. And and what are they? If you found that, um, and likewise, anything that kind of gets in the way mindset wise, people sort of go, "There's no point. It won't ever work." You know, what, what have you found from an individual point of view helps or hinders? Well, I think in terms of helps or hinders, I think it's a start, you've got to treat, start with where people are, as it were. And I think there's certainly some natural people who just run with it. They get it. They've done it. Or some people are saying, get out of the way. Like, you've just you've got to unlock this potential, Rob. I don't need to hear from you. And I kind of, I just, I just kind of get it. Those people tend to be more proactive in terms of their nature. And if you were to link them to a mindset, and again, this is, I haven't seen the research linking these two together, but I would be surprised there isn't a relationship between someone who's maybe more proactive and um, and extroverted in terms of maybe their personality type and linked to um, kind of uh, growth mindset. So this mm. idea of actually kind of building and growing and continually kind of um, forming and developing. So in terms of these individuals who want to kind of find opportunities for, for growth and progression in that the role or the task they're doing, but also for themselves and some people mm. and just naturally that's how they show up every day at work. And they will be doing, they probably would have been doing job crafting kind of anyway, but what you do when you give them permission to it and you give it focus is they just, they just, they just run with it. Yeah. And there's other people who maybe would be more fixed in terms of the approach. Um, and that may be because of their, their mindset or their, their, maybe their per- link to their kind of can be linked to their personality as well. Um, who feel that um, actually, is this a threat? So again, first of all, was actually you tricking me here in terms of actually inviting me to do this. They might also then feel that actually there's, they don't know if they've got the opportunity and um, to be able to, to be able to do that. And there's some people that you present with, again, this is a positive psychology idea that we'll all be familiar with on this call is around learned helplessness. So actually some people who have said, I've tried this in the past, but I couldn't, you know, actually, as soon as I tried to do something novel, I got beaten back by my manager or my colleagues or the organization didn't support me. So they've had these kind of maybe experiences in the past where they, and they've been kind of, um, I can say beaten out of them is probably too too dramatic a word, but they for whatever reason they now just don't feel able to able to kind of or willing to to try it. And I think those individuals you need to spend more time with them. So I think again, job crafting to me um, is something that's accessible and, and and available to everyone. But I always approach it as an invitation, so rather than an obligation, because as soon as you see this as something that you've got to do, that's being forced upon you again, you you squeeze out of all the energy, the excitement from from it and actually what you need to be doing is lighting people up you need to be kind of helping people and encouraging them to do that and different people depending on their mindset will be slightly different um, and you know, i just one as a tangent you said i'm allowed to go off a tangent and one thing in terms of tangents that i think people might be worth exploring in terms of a mindset so a growth mindset fixed mindset are kind of quite well well known um but one of the areas that um that I think was under, understood or underlooked at is around the benefit mindset. And the benefit mindset is saying, actually, how am I doing, what am I doing going to benefit to not just myself, because a growth mindset is generally looked at an individual perspective, mm. but a benefit mindset is one is actually saying, how am I benefiting my teams, my colleagues, other people? And I think, again, that taps into that job crafting approaches in terms of actually, the, you are doing something individual for yourself, but you might be supporting and enabling other people 
through the work that you through this experimentation it's not just about yourself there might be positive outcomes from it as well mm. love that the idea of invitation rather than obligation i definitely definitely that's something i'm going to use and, and benefit mindset as well justin i'm going to come over to you because i'm sure uh with your background you're by the way you're on, on mute just to let you know i'm sure you'll have some uh, some questions or some comments for rob based on what we've talked about so far yeah wow rob thank you so much um my my notebook is, is full of things um and i'm sure it's the same for for the others on the call um and we, we will unleash belinda and perry on you in a moment um i just so the, the thing that's just come to me is i'm wondering whether there is to carry on this theme of um mindset uh so my uh area of interest is particularly is resilience and in a way, what we're talking about, uh, all of those, all of those qualities. So, you know, the benefit mindset is obviously at the heart of resilience because you're you're connected with others. Altruism is a really high indicator of resilience. Um, so, I'm wondering what your thoughts are about the relationship between the the notion of resilience and the the, the connection that might have with with your work. Yeah, that's a really interesting, really interesting question. It's something I've explored a little bit, but not kind of not as fully as I'd like to to Justin. Mm. I think the there's a there's a really strong relationship between job crafting and reporting of kind of buffering stress and, and anxiety and and well-being. And that kind of links into that resiliency to kind of bucket, I suppose. And the best explanation I've seen for that, and the one that probably resonates with me, although again, I think this might be other the other might be other reasons for it as well, is around a sense of control. So the idea of um, a lot of the time when people don't feel resilient or they internally, when I work with them, um, it's because they, they feel that they're out of control in terms of their, their kind of circumstances and they don't know kind of where to start to kind of start putting control in. They're kind of, they're spinning and you need to, they need to kind of stop themselves from spinning and then kind of be more proactive in terms of what they're doing. And job crafting is a way of allowing people to find one element of their, of their kind of lives, be that the work life, that they can take an element of control and, and be curious about. And obviously as well, if they do it successfully, and this is one of the things that I think is really important to start small, if you do it well, that gives you a sense of accomplishment. Um, so you're stepping forward in a positive way, which is again, helps people feed, can come out of these negative cycles that sometimes you can get from a, when you're feeling um, anxious or not as resilient as you'd like as you'd like to be. So I think there's a really strong link and control for me is the, the heart of it. And when I came across job crafting in the first instance, I saw it, I wasn't interested in just in job crafting, I was interested in the way of actually giving people more control um, over their work. That's kind of in what I was looking for and job crafting was just the vessel when I've kind of just not got off the vessel yet, I suppose. And so, so I think there's a really strong link. And uh, does that make sense? What do you think? Yeah, and it's really interesting that you talked to use the word buffering um, because I just before this call I had a conversation with Emma about that very notion. Um, we're developing some work for for a client about this three stage process of buffering, bolstering, and building. Um, and I really like how straight away that sense of taking control, which you have with job crafting, instantly starts to to build your buffer and then starts to lead into bolstering as well, doesn't it? Because you take these small steps that starts to build long-term uh, sustainable change. And uh, you've also used the word proactive a lot, which 
speaks to me because one of my sort of go-to tool when I start working with people is the, the Stephen Covey Be Proactive principle, the circles of control, because it's an old, and it's one of those old ones that is absolutely, if there's no better job for that particular, no better tool for that particular job, people really resonate with it, especially at the moment with every, the, the amount of things that are out of our circle of control and influence, which is, you know, pretty much everything. Um, that, that people find that really helpful well what could you actually do about that what little thing can you take control of and, and start to influence so yeah I'm, I'm not surprised that it lands with you and that that's part of your your interest in it and i often think we're talking we're all talking about the same thing we're just talking about it through through different mm. lenses so so as well as our dis, you know distinct interest in the topic we're basically all, all talking about the same thing mm. thanks for that rob that was really helpful it's it, just just building on that rob it's interesting talking about control because my route into to job crafting was actually autonomy so mm. we've collected over the years um hundreds if not thousands of what i call best experience stories which you've analyzed last summer finally um but we knew what we knew kind of what the data was saying and, and one of the key themes that always comes out of every best experience story ever is autonomy and i came to job crafting looking at how do we give people autonomy at work? It's, again, it's quite a sort of abstract thing. Like, what's some practical tools? And that, that's how I came to job crafting. So kind of slightly different route, but same sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, I'm going to come to you next, if I may. I'm sure you've got some questions for Rob. So uh, over to you. Loving the conversation. And yeah, the benefit mindset's really interesting. There's something in that for me. I do quite a lot of work around organisational purpose. And I've been privy to lots of conversations about how do we help individuals connect to their own individual purpose, which I've always found a little bit abstract and yet not really not very helpful at all. But that idea of actually how can you do something meaningful in your, in your work and craft your job in a way that makes your job more meaningful. That's some of the examples that I'm hearing. I think there's a really interesting link there that I would love to explore more to. But my question actually was it's really sort of COVID or timing related if you like um i'm just wondering what the what is the covid context for this conversation where what conversations are you having with organizations now about job crafting and how how has that been changed by the by the the, the situation that we're all living through so I, it's a really interesting question i think different organizations are at different states in terms of what we're doing but what i found is that that through the COVID, for a lot of people who are maybe office workers, again, it's, it's important not to kind of generalise, but our kind of office space who are working from home, a lot of people predominantly are kind of working from home now, have had to gone through some kind of experimentation in terms of, of, of um, working differently. And we've a lot of us have had to develop new tools, um, um, new ways of working, kind of new technologies. So a lot of people have been crafting to a certain extent, but the, but, but what's, this has been kind of forced upon them. And I think, again, the, the, the kind of what we haven't got at the moment is a freedom of choice. Of, and so I think the, thing, the interesting conversations I'm having with organisations is saying we, we're now moving into a spot where we can actually um, kind of prospect, I suppose, what, what, what work life will look like in the next 12 months, maybe even five, you know, some may be wanting to do it for five years or go further out from that space. And it's then saying, what can, what does that, um, what does the question of choice kind of um, an opportunity provide to, to individuals over the control of where they, of where and how they work? So what can we learn from, from the experiences of, of people experimenting, doing things differently, what worked and what didn't work? So most people have done that. And then it's around building on those um, of that experiences to kind of actually um, doing it in a more deliberate, free way, rather than it being controlled by the by the kind of the state, as it were, in terms of um, 
and the kind of circumstances that, that we were in. Um, the other thing I would just say as well, within the, within the experiences and the map of COVID as well, which I think is, is it's I, I do this sometimes, is saying, well, we've all got experiences working from home and other things, but actually we've got to think about the context that people are working in. So they've done it with homeschooling, they've done it with a global pandemic happening. Then it, so it's not a true... It's not a true experience, I would argue, to of what it actually is to, to work from home. And again, exploring that with people. When so the, the job crafting, I often talk about different elements of kind of when, why, why, and um, I said why twice there. Kind of how well can you do your job? Who are you doing it with? All these are kind of questions we want people to explore. And the questions that seem very present at the moment is around when you're doing your job, um, and kind of where are you going to do it? And I think why coming back to your point around purpose is a really important point as well. So those are three questions to explore with with individuals that links to job crafting. Really interesting. Thank you. Yeah, and I love that. Yeah, and it's we're not just working from home; we're working from home in a pandemic, which is well, a yeah. very different. Well, I think okay, I need to remind myself of this all the time. Like it's just I think it's easy for us to shortcut that, and it's just it's we've got to be really really honest. I think. Um, uh, and challenge back leadership groups and teams about that as well yeah definitely yeah um perry i know that you'll have some great questions or comments um maybe says setting you up <laughs> setting you up here but i know you won't fail me because you always have a really interesting take so over to you perry thank you very much that's nice of you to say so and uh happy birthday rob um so i've got um perhaps more a proclamation uh, and then a question or two the proclamation i guess is that finally we can put job descriptions in room 101 surely can't we um because i think you know th there was a recent harvard article wasn't there where a bakery was just hiring people just like you just had to turn up and they'd hire you and they'd teach you what to do. And the body shop said, yeah, we're going to do the same thing. If you're on the list, you're in. We're not going to put a job description out and spend stupid amounts of money going through a competency interview. So on the one hand, you've got that radical thing. But then I think I love this whole sense that we craft what we want to do. Um, so my question then after that proclamation um, is um, how, how is the climate in the organisation, how does it need to be in order for people to have job crafting as part of what they do does it have to be psychologically safe for example yeah so i'd say i'd say the starting point in terms of a destination where they want to be is has to be people focused and genuinely people focused so the organization people say does this work in certain sectors or not and i've done it in banks i've done it in digital startups i've done it in of health sectors it doesn't it kind of it's ambivalent but the thing that needs to be there is a, a genuine genuine belief that actually if you and invest in people you will get benefits from it because otherwise you're not you're doing this because it's a fad effectively so you're kind of saying job crafting is a good thing to say i should be telling my staff this but really i don't trust you to be doing this thing so that's the is that fundamental belief in in in, yeah. in as humans our potential yeah. is a is fundamental thing that you that you would need and and i think the absolutely in terms of coming back to to justin's question around the kind of the um I think in terms of um, resilience, and we talked about learn helplessness, people need to feel that actually they can do this genuinely. There's an open invitation to people to, to do this. And they can also recognize they may not be successful. So actually people, when they job craft, I'm just as interested, if not more interested in the things where didn't go well for that person than the things that, that did. And so you've that element of failure um, kind of with a very, very, very small F failure is something that kind of you need to have that association with it. So it has to be the kind of climate within the team level, I'd say, where you have that freedom to experiment genuinely um, and a freedom to have that, that, that discussion. So you can have, again, I've done this in pockets of teams 
where people have crafted within an organizational context. So if you look at that lens from an organizational perspective, you're saying, actually, this, you wouldn't think it would be conducive of job crafting, but that team has got a shield over it effectively that they've got the permission to do it. Um, but organizationally, why well, you've just got to get that, that fundamental belief. And then in some instances, you have the organization believing in it, but you've then got to do the work with the leadership, certain leaders and teams because their their line managers aren't bought into it, and yeah. so therefore they 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 you need to work on you need to work on them. Um, yeah. So I think that's a really that, that's a really point. And I'm definitely room one hundred and one for job job descriptions, yeah. as Great. you know. I think I've probably <laughs> really, with your with your input, Perry. I've kind of been playing and exploring kind of the idea of job canvases as well, which is yeah. something which is much more iterative and things that can people can. Um, constantly evolve and i think that's what we should yeah. be doing our jobs they're not static they're things that yeah. should be constantly evolved brilliant what do you Excellent. think Perry? what do you think though uh, so yes job description is definitely 101 i've hated them and been on record as saying them for ages and i think you know we've created almost so much bureaucracy and, and bias actually out of job descriptions that i think you know now you've got people saying let's create more inclusion and diversity it's like we'll start by stop looking for homogenous flipping robots then do you know what i mean so um so i'm loving what i'm seeing with some of the shifts into um dialogic and an emergent sort of interviewing and and sampling and all those kinds of things and what i really love is the fact that there's nothing more maturing in the work you do than you can shape it and define it i think to ask somebody brand new off the street to say right design your job that's a bit of a big ask but i think like with mentoring and some guidance and some exploration and the safety you talk about I think within a couple of weeks, people will go, I got it. I know what to do here and shape it. And I think talking to Emma's point about productivity and engagement and fulfillment and success that's sustainable, that's got to be the only way. Yeah. Awesome. Great. I, I knew you wouldn't let me down, Perry. Thank you. Thanks for that. It's a great <laughs> question. A little bit of controversy there. With the, I agree with you, by the way, with job descriptions too. Yeah. Um, we are almost at time, Rob. I've just got one quick question before I hand back to, to, to um, Justin to do the sort of the, the final piece. We really like to give people something really practical to take away. And um, as surprising as this may be, not all of our audience are, are HR people or working in the field of, you know, whatever, whatever people element people work in these days, not always in that field. So from an individual point of view, can you give us like a couple or even just one practical thing that we can start doing today to begin crafting our jobs and taking back that control and having some autonomy in what we do? Yeah, so my, my, my invitation, again, starting from that point, the invitation would be to say, how could you make your job 1% better? So in terms of actually thinking about what's a tiny change you could do that you could make your um, your life um, a little bit better. And the way that I, I describe this is actually the research shows that if you want to get running or exercise, what you should be focusing on not doing the not doing the exercise, but getting changed into your running kit or your exercise kit, because if you do that, you're much, much more likely to actually do the exercise. So again, from the job perspective is what are the, what's the tiny, tiny thing you can do that will lean you more in the way of the, of, the, of the way that you want to do. So that could be experimenting with a task. It could be thinking about how you connect with other people. It could be around trying to make your job healthier from a physical or mental perspective, like getting outdoors or getting some exercise. Um, is it around thinking about speaking to someone about the value of the work that you've done? So connecting with the, with the purpose. Pick something that's going to be fun for you. Um, a tiny change that's going to take you a minute a day, uh, sorry, five minutes a day or an hour a week. That's your kind of, yeah, that's your cap, cap that I would give to you. And I'd love to hear how everyone listening to this kind of have got on with that, that, that experiment. Mm. So, so let us all, let us all know. Love that. Thank you, Rob. That is a brilliant invitation. So we've got something really practical we can all work on. And we, we do follow these up with uh, blogs. Yeah. So we'll link to all your fantastic resources and case studies and what have you. And 
we'll ask people to to take that invitation and see where they go with it and then as you say let us know how they get on so thank you so much Rob and uh, again happy birthday for today and I'm going to hand back over to Justin to uh, to close the show so over to you Justin. Uh, well I echo Emma's thanks thank you Rob what a fascinating conversation and uh, as we uh, quite often say leave leave people wanting more we're definitely leaving me wanting more and uh, that's the most important thing of course um no it was really really engaging um fantastic lovely lovely stories as well and metaphors to bring the subject to life i think if anyone uh, doesn't know about this topic this uh, research show will certainly whet their appetite to find out more and to buy your book which is as emma has said you have quite literally written the book on the topic um so we're really honored to have uh, have you as an expert uh, guest on on the show thank you again to uh, our special live studio audience thank you to katie for her production uh, emma and belinda for their co-hosting and uh, here's a little teaser trailer for those of you uh, who don't know what's coming up next in two weeks time on the 24th of february we will be joined very excited about this, all the way from the other side of the world by Natal Dank. And the topic of our show is, broadly speaking, we've given it the strap line, Agile HR. But as you always find with these discussions, it becomes, <clears throat> excuse me, about a lot more than that. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, do subscribe if you want to be kept up to date with all of the material and support that we send afterwards. Other than that, Rob, Carry on having a happy birthday. Thanks to everyone. Over and out. See you next time. Happy crafting. Thank you.